0: Nine rounds of golf for $90?
1: Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at TomBernardShow.com. As a golf passport cardholder, you're entitled to nine 18-hole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to TomBernardShow.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just... 90 bucks? Now you got it. TomBernardShow.com. Keyword passport. Welcome to the family
2: with
3: Alex Brant-Bernard Rasmussen,
4: the very tired and sick to death of my dog, Catherine Brant,
2: mm-hmm. and Andy
1: Brant-Bernard on the Tom Bernard <laughs> podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So there you have it. Well, I did Get a hear...
4: dog, they said. It'll be fun, they said.
1: Yeah. <sighs> I heard him a couple of times, but not as loud as it was before. No, and
4: he didn't have to have the number twos either last night he only had number ones and i think what it was is he wanted to get up and have some dinner because i hungry. have been denying him food because of his gastro oh God, gastro what is it what is the Astro- word <laughs> three full nights of not being able to sleep is
1: yeah it's pretty much i did hear a bit of it michael bryant brad sean bryant what's the latest For great deals from the Minnesota sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Also, but. I've
4: been tossing and turning. Is is Elon Musk buying Twitter or not? What mm. is happening in this world? I is I heard tossing and turning to. about Elon Musk. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. Just kidding. <laughs> you do you love Twitter? Well, so, all of a sudden he's he's buying he's it again. Back on it.
7: Yes. yes. Yep.
4: Fifty four million. All sudden, so that's 10, million, 10, billion, billion. 10 billion more than original. Yes. Why is he paying more for it when know they know. were lying to him? <laughs> Anybody?
2: I think he might just want to. Get rid of it. Basically, it's so harmful to a yeah, lot if of wants, people. It is if very harmful. If he wants harmful. to throw
4: away 54 billion,
2: <laughs> to destroy Twitter, I you don't can just
4: know that. Well, I'm, toss some other people's way. I think there's more th- important things to do with all that money. But that's just me.
1: Is any are are any of those services any good? I haven't been on social media in nine or ten years. So while well, I was on Twitter, when he first announced he was going to buy it, I was on Twitter for one day, and I went. No, I still don't like this. Goodbye. No, you were on Twitter for a while. <clears throat>
4: In the beginning, you really. In the very beginning yeah. of the show, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. When we all told you ago. to get off of Twitter. You had all your Twitter wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were having Twitter
7: wars.
1: I wasn't having Twitter wars. I told people shut the hell up. I'm That's here not a here for Twitter the war, it?
4: puppy and the kitty fights.
7: <laughs> what?
4: There's this Budin. Budaja Biden? Um, Budajajaj? Budaja. No. Um I follow mm-hmm. on Twitter. It's usually just all animals being funny. Very, very very cute. It's one of my favorite things to check out every day. That's
3: um, Puberty Pets on. Puberty Pets? Puberty (laughs) Pets. I know, it's a terrible name. It's a terrible name. So is this one. But yeah, Puberty Pets on Instagram. Fantastic. Is it? Yeah.
4: They might be on Twitter too. I'll look. Puberty?
3: Like Puberty? No, like P U B I T Y. I know. I don't know why it's oh, called that. Oh, they're on
4: here, too. I'm following. Ugh. Posting the best animal videos on Instagram. <clears throat> Instagram. That's, why
1: That's the deal. It
4: but they have they have another one.
1: Uh, must next plans apparently include an everything app on the heels of Tesla slash SpaceX CEOs. Renewed offer to buy Twitter. He references X... Uh, With Elon Musk's plan to purchase Twitter apparently back on. He's now teasing uh, his next movement. It sounds just as ambitious. Those intentions came after, uh, well, via a rather cryptic-sounding tweet on Tuesday, and speculation on what he might mean is already making the rounds. Buying Twitter is an accelerant to creating X, the everything app, the uh, Tesla and SpaceX CEO wrote. Without elaborating, other than to muse on a, a timeline, Twitter probably accelerates X by three to five years, but I could be wrong. He does that all the time. He, he's very cryptic of the way he speaks, and it gets people very wound up and excited, and gets him even more attention. He's a salesman.
4: Oh, people were throwing huge fits because he he wanted he had some little questionnaires about what what we might be able to do about the Ukraine and Russia and having mm-hmm. peace would be oh, a really yeah, good idea, right. people started <laughs> hacking we so him. so mad about that. It's like, what's Wait a wrong with things? They were attacking him on what? He, wanted, he, was trying, he was just throwing out some ideas for like peace negotiations between oh, yeah, Russia right, right. and the Ukraine. I people were just <laughs> acting like he just stabbed babies in the streets. Yep. Why? I don't Why know. Why wouldn't
2: you want peace?
4: Because I guess there's something in it for somebody well, to a, not have a peace. Lot of
2: people, they just want Russia <laughs> nuked. And destroyed. You don't want to be looking at anybody. The only thing that'll make them happy is the complete destruction of Russia. Okay.
4: What I my question is: Okay, so Putin has been in office for how long?
2: A long time. Why is it so
4: very important this moment to keep poking a bear that's got nukes? Why is it so important right now? I
1: don't understand it either, Catherine. I don't understand any of it, to tell you the truth. I mean, well, first of all, I have never. It has never been more apparent. I I guess the best way to put it that politicians in America are the filthiest human beings on Earth. Well, that's All been established, do, but
4: I just don't I know, sure. understand yes. this. It just doesn't make any sense. Why would you sit there and kick somebody that's got nukes? Because got well, be I mean, money in for
2: it. For the average person, just because they're morons, and that's what the news tells them. News <sighs> says this guy is bad, therefore my entire existence is based on proving how bad he is.
4: <sighs> and then now OPIC is now, now going to cut production of oil? Yeah. Just to get back at us for what we're yep, doing to that's Russia. Correct.
1: That's correct. This
4: is not mm-hmm. working out very well for people. No, it sure isn't,
2: but they're going to keep doing it. But And it is all about money, is it not? But, oh, yeah. Oh, tons of people are making a lot of money. Tons of money from this. How Warren do, how do we get very in on that?
4: As long as we're going to suffer, <laughs> how do you get in on it?
2: You'd be on the yeah. upper echelons of society,
7: unfortunately.
2: Could you imagine
1: with my... I guess, skill for BS and along with the best of how much money I could have made as a politician.
4: Still time.
1: We'd be multi-billionaires.
2: You're pretty young for, uh, compared to the average politician. That's probably
4: Yeah, You're a baby compared to Pelosi and Biden.
2: Mm, I couldn't live with myself, time. though. I know. You have but, to be a
1: literal sociopath in order to you do, do what yeah. they do. That's exactly right. Well, did you see this latest law they passed in California now?
4: <clears throat> Which one?
1: Apparently, uh, because it was harming people of color... It is now uh, legal to jaywalk that only talking of color about that forever yeah, I mean, this is
4: like a 20year argument isn't it mm-hmm.
1: only people of color are being arrested by the police for jaywalking that's what they're claiming well, which is California, complete I mean, what's ridiculous all insane
4: I don't know I have no idea I all I know is I jaywalk all the time and I don't care that's about it I at never all. jaywalk I do
2: never I rarely that's do.
4: If I'm downtown and I have to cross the street and there's nobody around, yeah, I'm going to cross across the street. I'm not going to go to a... I mean, if it's a busy intersection, I will go to yeah a crosswalk. Not mm-hmm. that people stop for people in crosswalks.
1: No. No, that's true, too. No.
4: no. <laughs> so, I mean, you're taking your life in your hands either way in a busy intersection because a that's lot of people true. won't stop for you.
1: No, that's very, very true. Today was weird, by the way, because as I told you, on uh, Tuesday, there was so much traffic at 4.15 in the morning, I couldn't even believe it. Got tailgated all the way into work. This morning, I saw one car the whole way in. I what know. is that? And
4: today, the parking lot is packed out there. Today. Yeah, it is. Let's yeah. be some event or something. But, I don't know. What is it
1: from day to day that... Traffic, no traffic. I don't get it.
4: School's back in session, so that has something to do with it because some schools are out, you know, start super early in the morning and some are out early and some start later and then they're out later. So there's a lot more traffic just in general in the mornings and in the afternoons. But I think a lot of office people have had to go back maybe two or three days a week or something like that. Yeah, it is
3: amazing on 494 in the last three months how much traffic
4: has. Changed. i'm pretty sure that some people have been called back into the office
1: yeah they have i don't know what to tell you about this whole day why do you think it is though and i you know i guess i've asked this question before but i still have never gotten an answer and i do not understand why people just want to spew and puke up their hatred so much right now it's not let's try to get along look i don't like the way you're treating me let's try to get along it's i don't like the implication of the way you're treating me so I hate your guts it's
4: What happened? more fun mm. that way no. that's what I always say but
1: it's very destructive
4: it's super destructive and I do think social media has a lot to do with I it I do too because people look at that stuff the first thing they go yeah, in the morning when they wake up they start doom scrolling Yeah. and then they're all mad about whatever they saw in the morning and then before they go to bed they're doom scrolling during the day they're checking for doom scrolling and then they're just mad all day they just can't separate <clears throat> how stupid all of this is yeah. from everyday life.
1: Yeah. Shouldn't you have to pass like an IQ test to get on social media?
7: I
4: don't think we're going to be able to get that done. Why
3: that not? Would,
4: that would be <laughs> I just think it, just. That'd be a lot of work. Who's going to Who's going to do and that? All the IRS agents? Wildly of,
3: discriminatory. A yeah.
1: lot of IQ tests. Yeah. What do you mean? Why? That's not discriminatory. You have to qualify.
3: Well, because well, nobody wants that because there's not – they just want
4: everybody that they can on there so yeah. they can sell stuff. Well, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Money. Everything's Why? about marketing. All of this is marketing. It is marketing. Every, every single thing is every about every marketing. Thing is marketing.
1: It is. What's that uh, news service uh, – God, I can't even remember the name of it. It's a news service that they just released the facts that they looked and looked and looked and hunted and hunted and hunted, and the Bidens have no connection whatsoever to Russian business, and they need to stop saying that they do. Which is a flat-out lie. Everybody, even the Bidens, admit they
2: have connection with Russian business. Everyone I always does. thought it
4: was the Ukraine that they were involved in in the first place,
2: and Russia too. Oh, everyone has some tie to Russian business.
1: And Russia's China, a by the way, big country. China is the big one for the Bidens, though. They're they're connected several. Ways. Well, yeah, matter, really matter of fact, Joe Biden admitted it. Hunter Biden's admitted it. J- James Biden's admitted it. But these these news publications keep saying no, they don't.
4: Well, it's just like the Feeding Jesus. Our Future thing in Minnesota. There's no problem. They all of a sudden just, not the Feeding Our Future, the daycare scandal. Oh, yeah. That all of a sudden was just put to rest by some. Yeah, I buddy saw that. in office. They were just like, no, it never happened. It's fine.
1: And how many millions was that?
4: Uh, at least 150 that they know of.
1: 150 million.
4: That they know of.
1: It's just gone.
4: Yeah. I think one person went to jail for that.
1: That's yeah. Well, one remember the, person. The collapse of the uh, collapse of the economy in 2008. One guy went to prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the what? housing
4: market crash. Yeah. <laughs> what? I know.
1: Yeah, it was one guy's fault. He did the whole thing. Can you're you imagine being right.
4: that scapegoat?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, pal. Know,
4: you know that there's thousands yeah. of people involved in you're it, but you're the only one <laughs> blamed. You're the guy that's got to go to jail <clears throat> for everything. Wow. I
2: believe we have Jerry on the phone, ready
1: to go. Good. We may be get a good laugh out of this. I, we need a good laugh right now. There's no question. Jerry, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Tom? So I'm just. We're trying to figure out why people are, are. I can understand some anger, but why people are so hateful right now, I, Jerry? It, it, it really bothers me. You know, I can understand why people might not get along, but that hatred comes out in a, just a blink of an eye, doesn't it? What's that all about? Well,
8: I think I, I think to promote First of all i think that the racial problems are a big part of it and i think the hatred and the anger is coming from the black people more than the white people i think they're they want vengeance of some kind and they've delivered it to their children and it is true uh that they have a just a justifiable reason uh for a lot of things i knew a cop in my hometown, and he uh, he showed me a glove, and this glove had cement in the fingers—a black leather glove with cement thrown into the fingers. And he says, <clears throat> "We picked up uh, some guy, and they wanted." He says, "I'm ready to quit. I'm I'm going into something else because the cops hit him so many times and so hard with this glove." that I remember my friend using the word, his head was actually misshapen. Oh, so it's a God. two-sided, you know, so it's a, it's a, they've always hated each other for a while. I think that's a lot of it. I think, I think when people pick up the paper or listen to the radio and they hear the policemen are getting shot, uh, I think that brightens them. So there's a, there's a mixture of anger and fear all swirling around. And I think it's these guys uh, like uh, Al Sharpton. I think they make a living off of it. Oh, yeah. You you know what I mean? A big living. And, uh, you know, it's not in their best interest to create harmony.
4: Nope.
1: No, that's exactly it, Jerry. You're absolutely right about that. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, HBO documentary films George Carlin's American Dream from Emmy Award winners Judd Apatow and Michael Bonfilio. The two-part documentary explores Carlin's tumultuous life and enduring legacy. I got lucky uh, because I've been doing the same morning show for 36 and a half years in, uh, in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul here. So I got to meet George a couple of times, had him on the air a number of times. You could not have met a nicer man, at least around me, Jerry. He was the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet.
8: Well, he was my best friend. And we were partners together in business, and uh, you know I managed them. Uh, I came from a promotion background. My dad was a big band promoter. Oh. And that's how I got into the business. It didn't start. It didn't start with comedy. <coughs> Excuse me. It started with country music. Uh, the funny thing when my father was 16 years old. Honestly, and that was right at the bottom of the depression his junior high, his junior year high school class uh, voted him to voted him him you know to go find an act for the school band for the school dance and he uh, he did some research and he found a guy in new york a great agent willard alexander and he sold them uh, Jimmy Lunsford. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but his street music. Uh, uh-huh. And he was really nice to my father. My father was just a kid. And uh, the agent told my dad that if you can uh, fill the Sunday instead on a Saturday night, I'll give I'll give them to you for a hundred and fifty bucks instead of three hundred they were they were getting for the Saturday. So my father went to Buffalo and he found a bowling alley that had a big, big ballroom, like upstairs. And he got 150 bucks from his father, who was making 12 bucks a week, by the way, uh, (laughs) in the depression. And uh, he put on a show and he made $1,600, which was like, God knows what it would be like today. He immediately quit high school, bought himself a pink suit, a white convertible. <laughs> and, and he had the nerve later on to tell me to study. But anyway... <laughs> well, okay. You know, so so, anyways, he's, he's running around, he's doing big, he's doing dances. And uh, do you know what killed the big bands? I'll give you a little trivia.
1: Oh, I love it. By the way, I should mention, Jerry, my mother was a huge Glenn Miller fan and I've been a big band fan since I was about two years old.
8: Well, you know, what killed it. No. In other words, jitterbug.
7: Ah. People used to
8: go to these, you know, like you say, Glenn Miller, Tommy Dorsey, to these people. And that was the way they'd meet each other. And they'd slow dance. Nobody was spread a stare. But they'd talk <laughs> and they'd make dates. And that was the way it was. As soon as they started, people started jitterbugging. It frightened the rest of the crowd. <laughs> Hell, you, you know, really? uh, it, it took room. it's too bad because I still listen to it sometimes, and, and I love it.
1: Oh, it's great so, music.
8: Yeah, it is. Anyway, uh, at the same time, about 1950, uh, there was a fellow from Nova Scotia named Hank Snow. And Hank Snow was a singer. That got hot in the early fifties, and he and he became uh, a substantial part of country music. Oh yeah, uh, he's dead now. And by by the way, a very very close friend of mine died a couple of days ago, Loretta Lynn. Oh um, who, yeah, yeah. <sighs> yep.
7: Sorry Weird about quote. that.
8: She was wonderful to me. She was wonderful anyway. But uh, anyway, there was. Uh, this singer, Hank Snow, and believe it or not, well, in those days, you would understand it. Country music, if they gave you an hour on a Saturday or half an hour at five in the morning or something, was a lot. And they just didn't play country music much on the radio. Mm-hmm. And it was radio that fueled that business. They didn't know any promoters. So they got a hold of my father, somebody mentioned his name to him, and he uh, promoted Hank Snow, and Hank Snow sold out all the Canadian cities that were right next to my hometown, Rochester, New York, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right across Lake Ontario in a all lot right. of cities, and they did great. You know who the opening act was on the show?
1: For Hank Snow, what year were we talking here?
8: 1951?
1: Uh, Could it have been a man who died at a very young age? They found him in a car? No, Elvis
8: Presley. It was Elvis? Really?
1: Ooh, great story, Jerry.
8: Uh, Elvis Presley for 75 bucks a night. Colonel Tom Parker had to be some kind of a musician because in his life he only had three people that he managed. He managed Eddie Arnold. I know you're familiar with him. A lot of people might... Eddie Arnold sold as many records as anybody in the business for years. Mm -hmm. And then he wound up with Hank Snow, who was a very hot attraction. But ultimately, you know, it was Elvis Presley that,
5: uh, you know, he really
8: got on top with. He was a compulsive gambler, by the way, the colonel was. Oh, yeah. he He kept booking Presley into... The MGM Grand in Vegas, <laughs> and, and by the time they left the two-week engagement, uh, he'd be paying them instead of them paying him. Oh yeah, I, I understood he died broke, so that's that's pretty weird. And I also understand he had forty-eight percent of Elvis. Yeah, and these are sources. Can you imagine? I don't know, I don't know why the hell Elvis would give him forty-eight percent, but he did. Yeah. Well. I'm getting away from my subject a little bit. Uh, so anyway, I grew up in country music. My dad played everybody. He played the Nat King Coles and Ray Charles sure. and, you know, jazz bands and this and that. But as far as touring, uh, he would go and he'd take uh, 15-day country music tours. He, he did 17-day tour on Hank Williams Sr., where he had to drive to Nashville, found him in a bar with his man. They used to drive these fleetwoods. They'd strap the bass on top of the car. Oh, God. And away they would go. Oh, and my father says he, he, he made 17000 on the tour, a 17-day tour. And he says money meant a lot in those days. A buck was like a 9-by-12 rug. And he says if I had to do it over again, I never would. He made a deal that Hank would sleep in the same hotel room with my father, and my father would have to lock him in at night because he would get, he would get back from a gig. And his wife was playing around, he was playing around. And he had, you know, they would, they, they would do the show, they'd pack up, they'd go to a Ham and Edgar, and then they'd go to sleep. And they, some, most times they'd drive to the town they were playing. And he he would, you know, Hank, Hank Williams weighed about eight pounds. I what, little guy. I, I don't know what drug he was taking, but my father thought, you know, he had a reputation for drinking. He was doing a hell of a lot more than drinking. But he, uh, he, he would get into the hotel room about midnight national time, one o'clock in the East. And he'd call his wife. And she would be out doing whatever the hell she was doing. And then he was a nervous nervous wreck. All night long, he'd be walking. And my father trying to sleep. And this guy is walking across the, the room, talking to himself and making phone oh, calls. Oh, God. And, and then he died that following uh, January. He died on New Year's Day. So, I mean, our roots in country go way back. I had... I had Patsy Cline uh, stay over my house when I was 16, I think, and and I was a uh, real, well, we have a vending route, so jukeboxes. I always got all the old records, and, uh, you know, I was just a, a music hawk. Tom here
1: with my good friend, CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, I was out in Maple Grove the other day, saw your new branch that's under construction. It's looking great.
6: Thanks, Tommy. We're very excited to open our new Maple Grove branch in the Arbor Lakes area later this year. Well, the way I do math, that's the sixth
1: North American Banking Company, and you only have five fingers. How'd you get to six?
6: I used my computer. (laughs) (laughs) We better not ad-lib.
1: All right, we won't (laughs) (laughs) ad-lib. Never mind. People will... Well, you're not that good at it. Oh, yes, that's true. You know, we
6: have locations in Roseville, 50th in France, Hastings, Woodbury, and Shoreview.
1: One thing I like about being a North American Banking Company customer is I can do a lot of my banking online or on your mobile app, but sometimes it helps to go in and talk to one of your friendly bankers in person.
6: Everybody loves when you visit Tommy. We hope to see you in Maple Grove soon.
1: So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender.
8: My father had Patsy Klein on, on the road with Watt Pierce, who was supposed to be the star, except everybody was showing up for Patsy because she had eyeballed the pizzas. Uh, anyway, they had a couple of days off, and her and my mother had it off, and they went shopping, and she stayed over the house. And one morning, she comes. I hadn't met her. She comes bouncing down the stairs, very lively, energetic person. Wonderful person, and I gotta tell you, she looked like Frankenstein. <laughs> she got. She did, man. She, she got. Well,
7: she that's did, sad. Man.
8: <clears throat> I love that. She, uh, she got into a car crash uh, about a year before. Uh, I, I think a, a truck hit her. One of these hillbilly deals and the scarring was horrible and she was getting ready to go in and do surgery and when she got home a few months go by more than that maybe a year she went down in a plane crash uh with cowboy copas and hawkins anyway when she was in the kitchen i was excited to meet her and you know just talking i'm sitting at my own kitchen table I said, so what's your next record? She says, oh, it's crazy. I said, okay, well, what's the name of it? <laughs> says, I don't It's crazy. <laughs> uh, I said, come on, you're pulling out of it. No, she says, it is crazy. Willie Nelson wrote it, and uh, it wound up being the hit of her career, and it's like in a top three country music. Mm. <clears throat> Getting dry songs of old time, you know, of all time. So, oh, God, uh, great song. I'm just trying to tell you how deep the roots were in country, and for years, uh, up until 1980, I was on the road, we didn't fly, I didn't go in their bus, I had to drive a Lincoln or something, because we sold program books, and we'd throw them in the back, you know, on a trunk, and we'd try to keep the mileage down to like 300 miles between shows, so I'm driving. <laughs> I'd be driving in the winter behind a double-trailer truck, and, I, and I'm saying, oh, Jesus, I can barely see. And yet I'd look on them like we had Mondays off usually. I'd look over in them little houses with the smoke coming out of the chimney, and I'd say, those bastards, they're watching, they're, they're watching gun smoke. And I'm out here chattering in my car, eating press. You know, just, I love Gunsmoke.
1: Oh, oh, Gunsmoke's a great show. You, 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 That's a fact, Jerry. That is a great show.
8: <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I did this. It was hard work. It was very hard work. You'd have to take care. I took care of the promotion. I'd have to go in there and organize the show. Don't ever, ever, ever try to rehearse a country music act, by the way. Really? That's for it. Never. Why not? Never. Why? Because they get all screwed up and who stands over here? No, I want to be over here. You can't play that song. I was thinking about using it. I've been through it twice. I'd never go through it again. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I had Ronnie Millsap in Cleveland on a theater and a theater around. I had 6,000 tickets sold, and the other act was Crystal Gale. Well, Millsap's people get in there first, and they spot his piano on a stage. And uh, then I get somebody from Crystal, who I knew Loretta so well, and that's her sister. And I went in, and uh, she wanted to see me. so said, Jerry, do me a favor. I'll come back and play this show for nothing in two months or something. Let me go home. Let Millsap do it I said, are you crazy? I got 6,000 people waiting to see you, too. <laughs> oh, God. She says... He says, I can't work with him. The Where he put his piano is right where I walk, back and forth. And, and I just was pleading with her. And she says, all right, I'll do it. But I hate that son of a puppet, you know. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm up in this country music, and I'm really getting sick of it. I'm getting sick of uh, not the music so much, but the driving and the yeah. work involved yep. with it. Was and, and, and I got offered uh, a, a main good main headliner in country music wanted me to manage him and manage it. and uh, I didn't want that because I knew in Nashville you had to go out on the road on Thursdays and you had to be back in the office on Monday at noon to pay him off. This leads into George Carlin.
1: And now, ladies and gentlemen, HBO Documentary Films, George Carlin's American Dream. Jerry Hems, our very special guest. I cannot wait to hear the story, Jerry.
8: All right, well, here you go. I got to a point where I hated going out on the road, and I had a few income properties, and I didn't want to go. And anyway, my father was the type that you put all the money in a big dish and throw it up in the ceiling, and Jerry got to keep what stayed there. So. I wasn't happy at all. And uh, I could live very well without him. Not, you know, uh, palatially, but I I was okay, and I was a young guy. Uh, He couldn't rest until he got me back in that business. He he would go to my mother and say, Talk to your son. What do you want him to grow up to be a bum? (laughs) I resented that, by the way. (laughs) Just because I could sleep till noon, and he couldn't. Uh, that was my business, but I had really paid my dues in country music, and uh, I quit. I-, I just wouldn't go out. Well, this went on for about a year, and the reason that I told him probably the biggest lie I ever told anybody, I said, you know, I love working for you. Well, the lightning ought to come out of the sky, and it me in the head when I said that because I hated working for him, and uh, he was tough, he was difficult, and it was tiring, and wearing, I just didn't want any any part of it, I said, you know, I'm a northerner, they're all southerners anyway, you know, it's a different, it's a different world, it's a funny, it's a funny deal, it's okay, I did it, I did it for 15 years for you, and I just want to jump. Uh, And I hate to travel. I hate to travel. Well, he couldn't rest and he did a show. He comes to me and he says, I did a show, a partner country show in Toledo, Ohio. And the guy in Toledo played this comedian and uh, he sold out two shows with him in two towns. Uh, He didn't show up. He was loaded. But he did sell the seats. And I can get us Syracuse and Rochester, my hometown and the town 90 miles away. You wouldn't have to travel, at least not much. And uh, I think he'd be worth taking a shot. See what he's trying to do? He's trying to suck me back into going on the road and working on a business. Right. Uh, I put up the shows. We sold out four shows in two days. Now, here's the funniest part. Jerry Ham's managed George Carlin for 35 years, was so immersed in country music, when I played him, I had no idea what George Carlin did. I <laughs> had no clue at all. <laughs> Is that funny? That's phenomenal. So, so I'm in Syracuse. I'm in Syracuse, and uh, George Watson's, first time I ever saw him. He walks in with the uh, typical road manager, you know, with a black leather uh, bag looks like a purse loaded with his drugs. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> I'm not used to that either. And he walks up to the dressing room, and I say, Hi, George, I'm Jerry Hamza. Hi, hi, Jerry. Uh, we're going to have some good houses today. I says, by the way, the Syracuse Herald-Journal would like to interview you. And he said, why, is, this, is it my birthday?
7: <laughs> you know?
8: God. I says, I guess we're not doing an interview. So he does the shows, and in the middle, you know, people were throwing joints up on the stage oh, and all God. that, and every, every once in a while he'd pick one up and put it in his pocket. But he'd be doing a bit, and because of the pot and the beer and everything he was doing, He'd forget part of it, and he'd walk around the stage looking at the ceiling, and then I'd come back to him, and, and he'd finish it. Well, that was the first two days, and we sold them out. A month later, I had five more dates, and it just grew from there on the promotion levels. It had nothing to do with management or television movies, none of that. It was just promotion at that time. Well, what was happening was George's career was going in the sewer. He had done, first for two reasons, he had done three very, very strong albums. And he would, he would uh, do Carson show maybe six nights a year, and that was great. But then the album sales started falling off uh, badly because at that time in history, you know, the long hair and all that was starting to change. Steve Martin was showing up. Mm-hmm. Who, who ever heard of a comedian doing 12,000 people in an arena? Right. Was unheard of. And meanwhile, George was home in California. Excuse me. I get dry from taking medicine. I understand. And uh, he would be laying in bed. And he'd be so loaded, he'd trying to sleep it off. He'd sleep all day with it. He certainly wasn't working on any comedy. If he did, he'd have to go out for a couple of days. And uh, when I would take him out, where we we weren't doing any business. You know, nobody gave a damn. He's mm-hmm. out there. Uh, we're doing like 1,000 people in Chicago uh, at the McCormick Center. You can barely pay for the McCormick Center with a thousand people, right? So so we were doing lousy there for about three, four months, and he said to me, "You know, I got to get a manager." And I says, "Well, are you asking me?" He says, "Yeah." He says, "I think we'd be a hell of a team." Uh, He knew my son's almost a little fucking weird too. (laughs) 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 Just a little, Jerry. So, so anyway, that's how it started, and uh, at first it was very, very difficult because my, my first thought was, well, I get him some interviews, let people start talking about him anyway, and um, we got to get some product out there. So he, uh, you, you know, would go do the shows. We still weren't doing any business; we could barely. Pay for the opening act, which was a thousand bucks a night. I mean, it was a struggle flying the, the whole deal. But uh, you know, I had a few ideas, and then I he, George was going to do a movie for HBO called The Illustrated George Carlin, which would be George doing vignettes and mix it in with stand-up. Do maybe a ten-minute vignette. And then do ten minutes of his act, and then Richard Pryor beat him to it. <laughs> you know, Richard did that show where he burned himself up right. and all that. Yep. George had been working with some guy that was a supposedly he thought he was uh, Metro Golden Mayor or something. Uh, he never produced a movie in his life, and George's wife found him. And they hired him for three years, and they never paid their taxes. They wound up in a rut that they never really got out of 100 percent. It was just horrible. I know they never shot one bit of film. It never happened. Uh, and then that that's what hurt him. Anyway, fortunately, the, he had gone—not him personally, but he had gone to HBO which was in its beginnings. They had about 40,000 subs. They probably got 40 million today. Yeah, right. And they borrowed 40 grand uh, against the next show. Except there was no next show, because okay. the comedian that was supposed to be writing this show and performing the show was stiff as a board in a bed in Brentwood, California, from all the drugs he was doing. God. But but I needed I needed the the forty thousand to just get things started. It wasn't that much, believe me, in the scheme of uh, planes and everything else. Well, we did an album called The Class Clown. Uh, Not a class clown. I'm sorry. A place for my stuff. We did it in New York City, and uh, the guy at Atlantic that was going to give us an advance. I went in there in the morning, and he says, I'll give you 300000 But he didn't know that our figures had dropped. He called me called in the Park Lane Hotel on Central Park. I was laying there, and I was smiling because we got three hundred grand coming. <laughs> sure. And he, does, he says, we've been looking at these records lately, and we don't want to do the album. I says, why? The, the advance is too much? He says, yeah. I said, well, we could drop that, you know, see how desperate I was. Well, oh, he says, I don't want to insult you. I says, go ahead and insult me. <laughs> so he offered us 50000 grand for the uh, album, and we went over to the Atlantic. He had got a perfect uh, A Place for My Stuff piece out of Vegas, and he always taped them, and he took that, to the Atlantic Studios near Columbus Circle in New York and we had an album. We weren't going to make any money with it to speak of, but right. at least we had a little exposure. My next move was to go to, uh, you know, the radio stations and get interviews and in newspapers, anywhere I could get an interview. The problem with that was they didn't want to talk about comedy. They didn't want to talk about uh, George or his life what do you think you wanted to talk about? drugs Drugs. there you go <laughs> <laughs> well, will he talk about his experience with drugs Yep. well I gave George a list of about I made a mistake with him I didn't know him that well. I gave him a list of about 10 uh, interviews and that just about made him want to go hang himself somewhere <laughs> he didn't want no part of that And he didn't show up for any of them. Oh, lovely. Nothing nothing was going on there. Go ahead. I'm
1: sorry, Tom. No, I was just going to say, this is a fascinating story because basically I don't think the average person listening right now has any idea. They just think that somebody comes along, writes a few jokes, and they go on The Tonight Show or Ed Sullivan back in the day or today, of course, all the different shows are on. They just think that you write a few things, they happen to hit, and everything's rosy. Well, that's never that easy, ever.
8: Uh -uh. No, George said to me he was a writer, number one, and a stand-up, number two. I mean, if you couldn't write stuff, George had a great filter, an unusual filter. And the funny thing about people, just the general public, I'd put on these shows, and people would tell me over and over and over again, you know what I love about George? He thinks just like I do, (laughs) and I think (laughs) to myself. You crazy fool, this guy's got a 178 IQ. You couldn't think like him if you put your head in a lawnmower. You know I mean? It wasn't going to happen. But they thought that, and he had a way of connecting with, you know, n- normal people. And uh, he had a, George had a vulnerability about him. It's a funny thing George had. If Rodney Dangerfield or somebody else started putting down the audience like George would do if he got this, mm-hmm. they'd walk out. For George, they'd just say, ah, that's George, and they'd laugh like hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, well anyway, uh, when I took over, we owed forty dollars to HBO on a show. So I explained that to George. And he had a tack room. His daughter was into horse riding you know, at his house, and he turned that into an office. And uh, I went out there one day, and he was working on a list of 2,000 filthy words. He understood that, that he was going to have to do something or his career was going to be shot. And he was writing them down and writing them down and writing them down. I had it in my head that I wanted to put him. I'm from New York, remember, from Rochester. Yes, sir. And I've been in the business all over the place. I wanted to put him in Carnegie Hall. I love the alliteration of Carlin at Carnegie. Mm -hmm. So I went and I booked the uh, Carlin uh, Hall, Carnegie Hall, I'm sorry, on a Sunday, which which expense-wise is murder. But we were between a rock and a hard stone. I mean, if we didn't go out, we were dead. And uh, we, you know, we didn't know what, the, we, were, we were just taking a shot. We went, we went into New York, did the show, and barely scraped by. You know, I went back for more money to HBO, and the guy that ran HBO, Michael Fuchs, loved George, and he was a smart guy. He had the only network where you could swear at the time. And here he had the comedian that uh, built his reputation on swearing. You know, it was wonderful for him. Anyway, we do the show. And George, we, we, we couldn't do a safety show. In those days, you used to tape and then tape two shows, edit the best of them and make a show. But we could only get Carnegie Hall for that one day, Sunday. You can imagine the stagehands. Bill. But anyway, we got done with it, and George was disappointed with it. He thought he could do better. But we, they put it on HBO, and George went through the roof. And it uh, made him uh, HBO's fair-haired boy for the rest of his life. We did a show every two years, And uh, he did fabulous for them, and they did fabulous for him. And that's what we would do. We'd we'd get down to a pattern where I didn't want to do it in a year. I didn't feel like we had recovery time. He was prolific enough, but you got to give, you know, leave him hungry. And uh, so every two years we'd go out. He'd get bored with the show after about a year and a half, but he still had to keep going. He's very perfectionistic. He'd want to get every common goal right. (laughs) So we do the shows, and uh, they were great, great audiences. Then we started doing them live from New York, and that was another level that we hit that was great. Now, George, uh, George's wife wanted him to do movies like Robin Williams or Crystal. Mm -hmm. My my father once told me if you ever want to see how fast George Carlin can run, point a camera at him and scream action. (laughs) George wanted no part of that. On a couple of occasions, I put him in little stuff, uh, you know, just to see if anything could happen. And you know what, George could have been a great director. I believe that. But, but he, the problem with that, he had, he had the, the uh, organizational skills, the eye, he had it all. The problem with it, it never happened anyway, but I thought about it later. If we had done it, he didn't have any experience. It wasn't a field where you could just grow into a dream, you know, you had to go on, uh, head and head it out of the park right away. And if it didn't work that way, that would be the end of that. So we can. He didn't like it anyway. He wanted, he wanted to keep doing what he did. He liked the high wire thing. He was a non collaborative artist, and he wanted to get up there and he wanted to say what he wanted to say. And he said it in a brilliant, wonderful way. Um, I'm a fly fisherman. That's why I moved to Maine the only sport I was ever any good at. And uh, I was up here in June. That's the best month of the year to fish up here. And very similar to Minnesota, by the way. Yeah. And uh, I got a phone call from his girlfriend that he had died. I, I could sit and tell you heart stories and heart incidents, hospital incidents, medical all that for an hour, but what it boiled down to was he he had he had a great heart, just the arteries were no good. His yeah. father <laughs> his father was named Patrick and he was fifty five years old and dropped dead in front of Saint Patrick's Cathedral oh, God. on Fifth oh, <laughs> Avenue in New York. So George did beat his father by uh 16 years, but I think he inherited his father's arteries. And I don't know, I think he had three angioplasties, God knows how many angiograms, and uh, stents, double stents, to keep himself alive. And, uh, you know, it worked, it worked, it worked. It did indeed. pretty awful being with somebody like that and being 3,000 miles away. Looking forward to a vacation, and get a phone call that your partner died. Yeah, no question. Jerry, (laughs) we're going to have to book
1: you again sometime. We ran out of time here, but we'd love to have you back on again sometime if you're available.
8: uh, I'll make myself available for you, John. I like I like the uh, interview. You're terrific. Well, it's very. I want to
1: I want to give you a big compliment. It might not sound like a big compliment to you, but I mean this sincerely. Talking to you and listening to you. You're the male version of my mother.
2: (laughs) You really... Mm
1: -hmm. And and that's a big compliment, Jerry. That's a big compliment. All right?
8: (laughs) All right. Thank you. I'll think it that way. I'll think about it, but I'll think it that
1: way. No, it's a great compliment. Thank you, Jerry. Have a good day, sir. Bye, Tom.
6: Bye-bye. Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue?
1: You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy (laughs) if I'm hanging out with
5: you. Maybe. (laughs) Uh,
1: Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Jerry Hamza, ladies and gentlemen. George Carlin's American Dream, directed by Judd Apatow. And Michael Bonfilio
4: um, Um, debuted. Sorry. What? I'm sorry. I'm just like a little brain dead. Keep going.
1: No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Actually, it says here that it will debut on HBO on Friday, May 20th.
4: Was last, that last year. May? Well, we had his do- George Carlin's daughter yeah, on right. the podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: And I think it was for this.
1: I think it was. Wasn't I think there it? It was it a book. But see I love guys. Yeah, let's like...
2: let's find out. I let's think you can out.
1: learn more let's... by listening to a guy like Jerry oh. Hamza. Yeah. than most people because he just sure. laid it out there and it's like, hey, this is the story. If you don't like it, a tough a Yeah.
4: I hated it, but I had to do it, and that's yeah. just how it was. We were in debt. We Didn't
1: to... that remind you of Toots, though? Yeah, or yeah. well, vo-
4: his voice, yes.
1: Let me tell we, you, this we, is what
4: happened. We should maybe pig- piggyback the um, episodes with his daughter. And... Oh, that's
2: a good She's idea. She was on episode 2170. When Let's was see. that? Uh, that was in May. So, yeah, okay. was in so, yeah, May. That, that, was May. Was that makes total May. sense then. But, hey.
1: I don't care. I thought Jerry was wonderful. I love listening to old showbiz guys or women talking about showbiz, all the rest of it. I, he, you know, you could know. tell his heart was in
4: it. Well, I, know. I I was going to ask him about when he said that he was a country western act promoter. I was thinking, did he know Loretta Lynn? And he said that right away.
1: Yeah, he did right away. He said he lost a good friend. Loretta Lynn, I believe, was 90, wasn't she, Andy? I think. I think she was maybe even a little older. 92, maybe. Yeah, she was... She I only was, got stalked oh, her. No, she
2: was ninety.
1: She was ninety. Okay, I only got stalked to to her one time. I interviewed her one time, and she's a really nice person.
4: What musical genre do um, people last to ninety usually? <laughs> other well, than that would country, be country, western. country western. I don't know not, about it. Well, there's a lot. Johnny Cash was a big drug guy. Oh God, yeah. A lot yeah. of them were drug. Well, back in those days, a lot of people were just they were just alcohol. Yeah. You know, the, well, the '60s were just drugs and alcohol mm. all the time.
1: But he did throw us that curveball, which out of nowhere he just goes and that effer.
4: <laughs> I'm like, what? I know. All oh, of a sudden, wow. Jerry <laughs> dropping the hey. f
1: bomb. Hey. Oh Christ! I think see, I see. I enjoyed that tremendously. Ta- listening to a guy. Now, does it say how old Jerry is anywhere? H A M. No, I tried to find out, but I couldn't. You can't find out how old he is, because he does sound
2: like he might be approaching ninety himself. You think so?
4: Which I see I Well I'd I mean, lo-
2: God, he was talking about uh, his dad was born during the Great Depression. So Yeah. Mm.
7: Uh-huh.
2: Or before the I mean before his dad he was did, like yeah. started working during the Great Depression. Right, so probably so, born yeah. about nineteen yeah, hundred? Probably, yeah. Probably, I would guess. Wow.
1: But, see, just listening to, to older people, like, and I think we've lost that, that people don't care what old people have to say anymore. And I, couldn't, true. I couldn't disagree more. I think listening to old people tell stories is one of my favorite things that, to go through.
4: Yeah, there was a thread about mental health and how you should be spending time with people that are 20 years older than you. Yeah. And, you know, depending on your age, of course, 20 years younger than you. Yeah, you should 15 be fifteen-year-olds. I should, don't know if I well, want to do Well, I mean, that. if you're like forty, <laughs> you spend time around yeah. twenty-year-olds and forty-year-olds. Should you know? It just—it's trying to bridge the generation gaps because right now we've got all of that. You know, baby boomers are annoying. Yeah. Our our neighbors, our neighbors' niece, told her that she can't wait for the baby boomers to die off, so that they well, can do things the way they want. And her own mother is a baby boomer.
1: Well, I told yeah, you. It sounds like she's. a so, uh, I mean, college. but that's
4: kind of like everybody's just like that's you know right now division between mm-hmm. every group of people is yeah. just real yeah. real intense and mm-hmm. it's just really sad that that's the way people feel about things.
1: So many years ago, several decades ago, when I was twenty years old, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a very very bright man. Did I, did I talk about this yesterday? Was that on the morning?
8: show? I don't know. Yeah. I
4: was. Not I think here. it was. The, I think it
1: was the morning <laughs> Can't show. Tell you. But um, but I was talking to him about this, that, and the other thing, and he seemed kind of dep- a little depressed. Um, and I, Andy, I didn't tell the Great Depression. St- I mean, excuse me, the, the, uh, the greatest the, the greatest American story yesterday, did I? I don't. Think no, I was on so. the morning show. Good because it kind of fits in with this whole deal. But I'm talking to my friend, brilliant guy. I mean, really, really smart guy. And He was kind of depressed one day. I so said, "What's the matter with you?" He said, "I I just you know." I gotta believe because this, all these people come back from World War II, the men and women come back from World War II. They've already referred to them as the Greatest Generation. Then years ago, Tom, uh, years later, Tom Brokaw wrote a book called The Greatest Generation right. about that. He said we're going to have a massive problem uh, in our age group because how do you follow up the Greatest Generation, mm. right? And he was absolutely right because now you skip another generation and you get on to the to, to the uh, Millennials. And now, even a, another generation past that, they think that we're the biggest morons
2: ever born.
3: Yep, Gen Zs.
2: And he predicted that 50 years ago. Well, he said All that's young going people to think old people yeah. are dumb and stupid because that's See, just, we you
1: didn't know. after World War II, though. Well, I mean, I was born way after World War II, but but the kids who who were born after World War II, we actually did look at that generation as a bunch of heroes. We absolutely saved the world
4: yes well they did oh it's, it's interesting because i mean whatever you think about tucker carlson i saw i just saw a promotion i didn't watch the show but there's some he's going to do some sort of a in-depth documentary about how men are losing every 10 years or something like i said i'm very tired i have not slept <laughs> in days does not sleep so right I'm, I'm probably going to get this 50 percent wrong but he was talking about Every ten years, men have been losing testosterone levels. Yeah, like oh, a lot, I, significantly, really? mm-hmm. which might be one of the reasons why there's so many infertility problems here on planet yeah, America. And um, planet America. Planet
7: America.
4: <laughs> well, America. Yes. it is our Get own planet. Sleep, it is our own planet. But they were—he was talking about how he was showing all of these super heavy, very obese men. Sitting there eating, you know, like junk food garbage Mm. and sitting there playing video games and staring at their screens Right. Well, it's
2: because of lack of exercise and it's because of obesity. Both of those things disrupt hormone levels.
3: And I (laughs) know there's a big documentary about um, plastics causing
4: lack of testosterone. Yeah, that's been around for a long time. But they were showing about, you know, like when... There used to be all sort of sorts of fitness classes mm-hmm. in school, and people were actually doing things that were very difficult that we would never even expect kids to be able to do anymore. You know, the right, obstacle courses that are difficult, not like, oh, gee, I had to jump over a yeah. tiny rock and say yay. You know, I mean, it was actually difficult stuff. That was my gym class. <laughs> and I remember seeing uh, another photo of just uh, all, it, it was a crowd shot of Woodstock.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, and everybody were, most people were in their, you know, like bikinis or whatever. And they were, I mean, people were thin Mm -hmm. and were, Mm -hmm. they looked like they worked out nonstop. But they didn't. It was just that we used to be able to ride our, we used to ride our bikes to see each other and walk for a long time. And I think after all these maniacs started kidnapping kids, parents wouldn't let them ride their bikes over to their friends anymore and everybody was taken by car to every every place and I mean even going shopping. You don't even go to a mall and walk around and shop anymore. You do well, it yeah, sitting the, on your ass watching a screen. Yeah, the invent
3: of so much media has just made people so sedentary.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: I mean instead yeah, of
2: sedentariness it's a real problem. Well and
4: Tab, you've been noticing this about I mean a lot of women you just walk around in big crowds and you're just like I mean, it's not just people are big.
7: Mm-hmm. People oh, yeah. are
4: really, really, big, really yeah. big.
2: They are. Biggest in my life. Yeah.
4: And I, I I, used to notice that it was women probably just because of, you know, sexism in the world. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah
2: statistically, it is mostly women.
4: Really? It seems like there's a lot more men these days, too.
2: Well, let's I mean, see here.
4: Jude, just, you
1: got a good spot. Oh, Jude. He's mad
4: at he's me I like won't give him cashews. He's also like, I'm sorry, I've been keeping you up for days. <laughs> women are end.
2: almost twice as likely to be severely obese than men.
4: Now, why would that be? Is well, it because I mean, of birth control? The
7: birth uh, control that they that have today? That could be part of it, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it not really,
3: because I know people that don't take birth control that are hmm. large.
4: Well, I'm just trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, but
3: I mean, women just their bodies are more likely to gain weight and have a harder time losing it than men.
4: But why is it, like, so prevalent now? Is it because women are moving around less? I mean, pe- I mean they've got kids. They've got to run around after kids. You'd think that would be some sort of activity.
3: I don't know. I
4: uh-huh. mean, I don't
3: know. The vast majority of people in my life are not overweight, because
4: no i'm just saying in general i'm <clears throat> yeah, not
3: saying I'm just, anybody no, just, in
4: particular no i
3: know i'm just saying it's hard for me to have an answer to that because i don't know very many people that are overweight you know well you like said I, your
4: kids go to a private school they have recess
3: they have two recesses a day two 20 minute recesses a day and they have mm-hmm. gym class twice a week
4: and i think that i think that they've removed recess after second grade or something like that in public schools no I... every
3: all i know all bloomington public schools have two recesses up until fifth and then after fifth they don't have recess okay, at and all that's anymore silly. but Fawn yeah. and sage's school has recess fifth through eighth still, i stopped having a
2: recess, recess at seventh grade
4: seventh grade
2: yeah yeah
4: Okay. Well, I don't even know why there should be lack of recess at all. I mean, even even if you're a high school student, you should be moving around. You
2: would think, but...
4: I know, because we had
3: gym class, like, what, once, twice a week? Once a week.
4: Because I know in in Asia, they have office breaks where people have to stand up and do some jumping jacks and move around, like, regularly. Yeah. It's like it's three hours you've been sitting, mm, get up, and move around. Well, Mm -hmm.
3: even Fon's class, her teacher, she's like, every time we go out for recess, I make... All kids before they're allowed to play run two laps around the entire. Yeah. That's outdoor really good thing. Idea. She's like because it just like gets out immediate energy that yep. just
4: well they think need about, to think, get out.
2: Yeah. We I, have oh. Wendy on the phone. Wendy's here. Anyone?
4: Hello, how's how is everyone
0: today?
1: today? Marvelous. I just uh, like I said, I, I just talked to the male version of my mother, so that was good. <laughs>
0: I heard that. Yeah, you were right. I kind of laughed when I heard him. I'm like, yeah, it sounds familiar. <laughs> but really the, do. um I think that one of the things that, you know, you were talking about why kids don't, like, bike, or, you know, everywhere. Right. Alex had a point. Part of it is due to, like, media, social media, but not for the reason she thinks. Because back when I was a kid... <clears throat> Eleven million years ago when I had a dinosaur for a pet yeah um, it it was a thing where we were very naive about you know if we ride a bike over to a friend's house I used to ride a bike like in the town to high school and that was like five miles and it mm-hmm. was like not a big thing but now we have to think about um you know who's who's looking out to kidnap somebody. You know, once I started publicizing a lot of the serial killers, you know, as it were, or disappearances or stuff like that, people got more and more afraid to send their kids out alone. And I know that that's true with mine. I mean, we live in a neighborhood where, you know, I will buy a treadmill for my daughter rather than have her go walking around in the neighborhood.
1: I see what you're saying. Yeah.
0: I don't, I don't feel safe out there. And, I mean, you know, we had to call 911, was it, last week, I think, Uh, because at, like, 10 o'clock at night, we heard somebody. I mean, we counted it off, and my husband said, hmm, sounds like somebody just emptied a clip out there.
7: Yes.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the sad part is I guess I wasn't really even shocked by it. You know, some people would freak out, but it's like, well, they're not pointing in our direction. You know, and that, that's a that's a real break in the naivete that we all used to have, the, the feeling of safety. I don't yeah. think a lot of people feel safe anymore. Well, you know, it's like Chris true. Rock said, you know, pretty soon it comes down to kids hopping around in a circle in the front yard.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. I, and that's very sad. That's a
4: very sad statement of affairs. That should just not happen. We shouldn't be afraid to leave our homes. Oh, no. We shouldn't be al- afraid oh, to yeah. let our kids bike to oh, yeah. school. It's,
3: I go running, and I always have a personal alarm and a thing of mace on me. Yeah, that's
1: good.
4: Yeah, that is. And you a gotta, dog. You got to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, people dogs. think they can do whatever yeah. they want.
1: That's the problem. They keep being told by our, you know, wonderful states like California, where everything that's wrong is legal. Uh, so mm-hmm. they think they can do whatever they want. There was a guy in the, in the subway system about a week ago beating the hell out of a woman. That
4: happens all the time.
1: And yeah. guys would come mm-hmm. over, and then they'd just run away. They wouldn't even help her. I don't get that. Because you don't know who's
4: got a gun. You don't know who's got a knife. You don't know who's absolutely psycho crazy Mm -hmm. and is going to, I mean. If someone's willing to attack
2: a random person on the subway, then they're willing to attack me as well. Yeah, it sucks
3: when your first instinct has to be like, okay, I have to assume this person's crazy. Like, I was on a run last summer, I think, and there was a person passed out on the trail. Oh, and I, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And Dan? I didn't. It was. Dan. <laughs> and it was a big it was a bigger person.
4: Um, it was a woman, though, right?
3: I think it may have been a trans
0: person. Oh, OK. Um, I don't know. I'm just also it day. would probably be it would probably be me if they were. If they were cast foot on a running trail, it would probably be me. Because if you see me running, there's got to be an ice cream truck ahead of me or a qualm with a knife behind me.
3: People hike on these trails, too, and walk and stuff. So this person was probably just out on a walk or whatever. And they were younger, I'd say Mm -hmm. mid to late 20s, passed out cold on the trail. And I was like, I can't go up to this person and... T- like too close Mm-mm-mm. because what if they're faking right and attack me you know like this is yeah. the where my brain has to mm-hmm. go and so it's i true. i tried to talk to them didn't respond and then they ended up having a seizure and i called 911 and all the stuff and then other people came and then i was like okay now this is a safe situation and to be able to
4: go near help this yeah. person
3: and get something under mm-hmm. this person's head So she,
4: they didn't Mm -hmm.
3: smack it if they had another seizure and all this stuff. But it's like, yeah, the first thing I have to think of is I can't get too close.
1: And we are back with stretches picks. Who's winning this thing? The Kitties, the Pack, the Bears, or the Purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? is expensive enough.
0: It's sad that we have to think that way, but unfortunately, a lot of the things that society has allowed to happen, that's the way it's self protectiveness
1: Yeah. Am
4: I going
0: to have to
1: change the way I think, Catherine?
4: Um, (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) No, I'm 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 very serious about this, because your mother knows, she's seen it a few times, that I cannot stand there and watch some guy punching a woman. I can't do it. I can't. There's no way I could let that guy do that, no way.
4: Well, the best thing yeah, to no, do, I, I, I think, either. is car- carry around mace and squirt them in the face. I don't yeah. know.
2: You're gonna hit the other yeah. uh, person then, though. Well,
4: I think that but they'd rather be, be maced. Yeah, I'd rather beats. be maced than killed.
2: Yeah, I suppose.
4: Or beat to yeah. a pulp. You yeah, know? yeah, have brain damage, yeah. lasting effects. Yes. Well, right. but
2: then you know you're gonna get sued for macing someone. With well, <laughs> my
3: mace, don't <laughs> know where
4: it came from.
2: Charge you with a hate crime, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Throw it in the river
3: when you're done. With it. <laughs> what? what mace who? I don't know
2: what you're yeah talking
4: about i know i well see that yeah, i know that's the other thing it's like you don't even know what rights you have to help somebody anymore
2: technically you have you have the right to try and help someone and you're not liable if you do but the guy attacking you can still sue you he'll get a God, public defender the state will back him and he'll ruin you <laughs> What's
7: happened well, you, know what,
0: you know what you know you guys should really you know what you guys should have on your show that we've been watching you should have a the sheriff, Sheriff uh, Bob Fletcher. Oh, yeah, Bob oh, my Fletcher. Goodness. You yeah. guys should have him on. Have you been watching his live on patrol?
1: No, but I like Bob Fletcher.
0: Oh, my goodness, you should. Every Friday and Saturday night, he does a live on patrol where he and, okay, I forget the guy that rides with him, but they they just they ride around in the squad and they stop at, you know, they talk about a lot of stuff and they stop at, like, different you know they may come upon like a crime or something that i would sometimes he goes live on facebook but usually it's youtube on friday and saturday oh, youtube okay. and he said well and he said on the facebook live because he popped up last night he was going there and i popped in and watched for a minute and he said somebody's made a comment about in the comment section about um you know, is he going to come up on any crime tonight? And he said to his, the guy that was riding with him, he says, you know, so it's funny somebody had mentioned that. So was because we, he says, I have been told by some of the, um, I can't remember what, what word he used for troublemakers. But he said that when they hear that we're going live on patrol in St. Paul, they head over to Minneapolis. Yeah.
7: Oh. And oh, they yeah. actually
0: have statistics. They yep. have statistics that show that when they're doing live on patrol in St. Paul, those hours crime is higher in Minneapolis for yep. those crimes.
1: Yeah, these people really, really keep a close eye on where the cops are, what they do, their patterns, all the rest of it. And exactly what you're saying, they move away from that area and go to another area.
0: Right. Yeah, when when you listen to and talk, though, about uh, you know, they talk about wanting uh, police to be more interactive with the community. Oh, my goodness. You should see him talk to people. He he has an incredible way. We have watched him so many times de-escalate situations yeah. just by calm words and, you know, no shouting. He needs to, you know, we need to look toward people like him to teach you know, teach other people how to de-escalate, how to approach it, how to know your community. Because that's the other thing. A lot of a lot of people don't quote unquote know their communities, and so you know you're kind of just in this little corner by yourself, and bad things will happen. But Bob makes an effort. I mean, he's the sheriff, and he's out riding around, meeting the community. He knows a lot of people. And, you know, both on both sides of the law and he's just, he's very, I feel really good watching him knowing that there's police out there like him because he really, really is one who is making a difference in his small corner of the world.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping, and it kind of appears to me there was a truck in front of me yesterday that had a big bumper sticker on it that said "Defend the police." They had the defund on there crossed off, and it said "Defend the police." I think we've turned that corner. I think people have realized: you get rid of the police, you're Mm going to get killed. I mean, there are the people
0: that are the loudest. The people that are loudest about getting rid of the police. A lot of them are the ones either committing the crimes or having people close to them who are committing the crimes.
1: I agree completely. You know, Look, let's,
0: let's pay, pay, pay attention to the safety of the people that actually live in the communities, and that's everywhere. That's north, all of Minneapolis, you know, north Minneapolis, it's east St. Paul, it's wherever. The communities need to realize that the people screaming the loudest are the ones that have the most to lose if crime went away.
1: I wonder if it's true that all that whole defund the police thing that happened to people who didn't care for their dad. <laughs> you think, Andy? You think that's part of it? Oh, I think so. I do too. That's I think, that, oh, daddy was mean to me, and the cops are my dad now, so I hate them. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think that's exactly
2: what happened. They hate well, their dad, so they hate authority. You yep.
0: know, and and what we need to start implementing, and maybe this is just me, but um, what I have noticed is that there really isn't a lot of long-term health care, you know, long-term mental health care facilities anymore. I mean, obviously, since, you know, Reagan opened the doors in the 80s, not the brightest move. Right. These people are just, like, out and about, and you see the homeless encampments in St. Paul, which are disgusting because we've driven by them and watched people shooting up, like not even paying oh, yeah. attention who's oh, watching them. Just shooting up and drinking and all the stuff I would get arrested for if I did, um, which I don't even know how to shoot up, so whatever. That's a but, good thing. Um, That's a good thing, yeah. It's, but we, we need to start establishing those because when you look at the amount of, especially like teenagers that need mental health, um, sure, you can be put on, I think the longest you can stay in any of the psych wards in the hospitals is two weeks. There oh, really? is no long term yeah. Yeah. I I have a friend who I think the longest she stayed in for two weeks, she's bipolar, and she was having an incident and she the longest she could stay was two weeks. And then they were they rely on outpatient therapy and rely on patient taking medication. Well, a lot of people don't. I mean Compliance my friend has me to very, call her every day and remind her. Yeah. And especially with teenagers, there's just between social media and everything else that's out in the public, there's just nothing to help them. And I'm not saying confine them, but they need help. You know, and a lot of these kids come from broken families. No one is helping them. All they need is just an area where they can feel safe. They can get their mental health back together. If it takes a month, great. If it takes six months, also great if it's longer we'll work with that too but you can't just think that somebody's going into a mental health facility for two weeks and they're going to come out perfect it just does not happen
1: yeah i think that's absolutely true i just i wish we could get together and work together instead of just everyone hates everyone else for for no particular reason it's just i heard you're a horrible uh, group of people therefore i hate you but why do you want to go through your life hating people? It takes a lot out of you to hate people.
4: Mm. So it gives them a Absolutely. sense of belonging. It's it's an easy group to get I into. Guess, yeah, hateful easy, yeah, people like to have more hateful people around them. I guess.
0: I just try to I try to smile everywhere I go. Like if I'm in the grocery store, I could care less what color you are. I mean Exactly. You know, if there's something you can't reach, I mean if I were taller, if there's something you can't reach and you happen to be shorter than me, which, you know, it's a small bar to pass, I would be happy to get it for you. Or I would be, you know, I'll be happy to let you, if you have one thing, and I have a full cart. Let's course you can go in front of me i don't mind not me i, push I mean them down. i will smile at you and wish you a good day oh well, wow, it's like i i will i will smile at you i will tell you to have a great day i will i mean if you're nice to me i'll be nice to you right right i i prefer to be the reason that people think that there is good in other people after they deal with me That's do you
1: think we'll ever get back thing, there wendy do you think that we'll get back to the point where we could see good in other people again <laughs> Or is that just gone? I sure
4: forever? hope so. We gotta work we gotta work no. towards that. Everybody has to work towards it, I guess. can
0: Catherine's right. We yeah. need to we need to listen to people that are good to each other. If someone's good to you, you need to listen to them. Not the person that's standing over in the corner like crying about everything that's horrible and then how everybody's horrible. Stick with the good people. And the more good people that stick with each other, the larger the group will be and we'll be able to you know, drown out the small voices. I'm waiting for a political
4: party that feels the same way. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree with you.
1: It would be nice yeah. to have a third, third choice, wouldn't it?
0: The positive Dude, party, if I, I would if vote I had all money, the way. If I, had money, I would, if I had money, I would think about writing for it because I have a whole list of things that uh, I would do to the state if I got in. I mean, number one would be audit. Oh, Yeah. A lot of the there's a lot of wasted and stolen money in Mm the state. We'll stop that, and that we could pay for everything that everybody wants.
7: Yeah,
1: isn't that amazing? One thing I did notice, and and (laughs) basically, all these people who are teeing other people up to make money get praised, and all they're doing is is using other people to make money. And then the people actually work like, say, some, not all sports figures, but some sports figures and actors. And, you know, if you've become famous and make money, people hate you automatically. And I've never understood that. So you like people who use you to make money, but you don't like people who have the talent to make it on their own. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, it is, a, it is a weird
0: conundrum, isn't it?
1: It is. It's just why wouldn't you, why I mean, wouldn't you hate the other people who are using you to make that money?
0: Uh, You know, I I think sometimes that people that act like that are jealous of people who have actually worked to get where they are because people that are jealous and mad about it haven't really, haven't done anything to do that.
1: Now, Wendy, I got They're
0: they're jealous. They want everybody to be even.
1: I got to go with the hard-hitting question because we only got a few minutes left in the show here. It was a hard-hitting question for you.
7: Mm -hmm.
1: I was just looking at the headlines. Not one but two stories today in the headlines about furries. Do they exist or not? Well, of course they exist. What, what happened?
0: happened? Good Lord.
1: Furries have been a thing for uh, decades. No, we're talking about the furries. that are, yeah, even... They got the, the poop boxes in the schools and everything for them.
2: Oh, well, that's, I don't know, that's a different thing. Oh. Furries yeah, don't I, that, really don't actually believe that they are animals. Yeah, they
7: that's a different, Pretend to yeah. be
2: animals, basically. It's like adult yeah. make believe. And it,
7: yeah. there's usually
0: there's usually like an erotic content yes. to Often, it because my yes. daughter was my daughter was saying something about it because she was watching some anime with them. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> right, like, anime. She, she explained what it she what it was, and I said, kind of sounds like sports mascots. And she's like. Well, kind of, but these yeah. are creepier and more sexual. Yes, I'm like,
1: okay, I did not need to know that today. Was really funny, Wendy, is this morning. The first story came out this morning. I can't remember. It's one of the, it's about politicians and the furries. Yeah. There are two articles, and I didn't read either one of them. I saw the headline. The one, the first one this morning said, uh, blah blah blah, running for governor of some state proven to have been absolutely wrong when he said that there are furries in schools and they have these boxes. It's 100% untrue. And then when I got here about four hours later, uh, I looked up a story and there's a woman running for office in Colorado. I can't remember her name. uh, But she claimed the same thing and under that it said, largely proven to be untrue. Mm. So they had to back off that it's absolutely untrue to largely untrue. That's
4: a Minnesota thing.
1: Oh, is it really? Yeah,
4: because Scott... Scott Jensen? Yeah. He's running for governor. governor. He he mentioned that there were litter boxes. We weren't going to have litter boxes in schools. Oh, okay. Because that was a thing. For a couple of years, people have been talking about the fact that there have been litter boxes in some school districts. Never known if it's true. I've never right. seen a picture yeah. of right. it. I don't yep. know anything about it. don't want to really know. I don't think it's hygienic in the least. No. And... I think if a kid needs to go in the litter box, going to hell. Yeah, mm-hmm. if a kid needs a, you know, a litter box to be happy, they need way more than just a litter box. They need a lot of well, psychological help. School agree. is for children, not animals. Exactly. That is true. So um, anyway, so now the attack ads are against this Jensen guy. Saying that this is not true, there's never been litter boxes in schools. He's oh, that's what they always the do. They the always thing. say
2: it's all lies, all conspiracy theories. Well, yeah.
4: Well, the Democratic Party has—I don't even know—22 million in their coffers for yeah, this election, yeah. and Jensen has been grassroots, yeah. so he doesn't have a lot of money. So yeah. the attack ads on him are just humongous yeah, right now, and I don't know really anything K- about him.
0: Catherine, you do know what this is an example of, right? Uh, okay. Watch the left hand here with some ridiculous thing that is not important and probably not true. Yep. Look at that, look at that, be mad at that. But don't look at what the right hand's yeah, doing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, with, with the money and stuff, it's like, well, they're it's trying. It's definitely deflection. Yeah,
4: they're they're redirecting from this feeding our future scandal, which is big. Yeah, I mean, it's huge, they keep yeah. on trying to sweep that under yeah. the rug, but it is really mm-hmm. pathetic that we've given away $250 million and they think it's probably Didn't more. Even
2: bother looking at where it's going they yeah. don't even know and that is, this all you know.
4: started with the whole daycare scam mm-hmm. and nothing ever happened with that and now some uh state representative got involved with this pop pappas is that a woman pappas or papas or oh, sp- sandy pappas yeah sandy, okay. she's the one that told them that they had to keep on giving the payments Right. She yeah. got involved oh, with this
7: mm-hmm. because
4: apparently that's part of her district there, whatever that area is yeah. that wonder, had the uh, wonder, most of it. Wonder, did any of it show up in her coffers? They're all every. Uh, who knows if there will be investigations all the way through? Because yeah, you know, people to. get people are protected from a lot of this stuff. They yeah, can. Yeah, they are. You know, probably a few people well, like will the, go to jail, and the people that were running the show won't. That's usually how
0: it works. Well, it's like the St. Paul School District. They fired their uh, financial, uh, what's it called, F- financial officer, their head financial officer. Right. The uh, They fired her not because she was doing anything wrong, but because she was calling out issues with transparency and some missing money and stuff like that. Well, oh. She got fired and then so she yeah, wasn't do- like she was she, doing, she doing anything wrong. She was actually doing she her job. She was doing her job and uh, calling no, it can't out have that. and the superintendent fired her and magically, shortly after she was fired, there were only two people that were in the running for her job. Magically, a friend of his got that position.
7: Oh! oh there we go.
0: Gee,
1: there's mm. a shock. You wonder how that, All right, Funny how that works, isn't it? It's time to wrap up the show, Wendy, but we appreciate you calling in, sister.
0: Oh, no problem. I love talking to you guys, too. Y'all have a wonderful rest of the weekend weekend. You, too.
2: Thanks very much. Before we close the show, I should mention that we have a new website. Oh, yes. It's still jointhefamily.live. That hasn't changed, but the website itself is all very different. Well, that's good. You can go to what? What do you go to? Jointhefamily.live. Jointhefamily.live. And live. I think TomBernardPodcast.com still redirects to it. Let me make I sure. I hope so. I wish it had stopped stop redirecting to other places. That'd be well, good. Yeah, Doesn't... we have to
4: have a little conversation after that. What are you talking about? Oh, it's just something.
2: Uh, yeah, TomBernardPodcast.com yeah. just redirects to jointhefamily.live if you don't want oh, good. To type that for okay, some reason. Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. All right.
1: Uh, as I said, the first story I saw this morning, I can't remember which guy it was, but talking about this furries in school rumors, and they said it's absolutely, 100% not true. Well, we'll close with this. Here we go again with the furry, uh, furries in schools rumors. Heidi Ganel, or Ganel, or I think it's Ganel, a GOP candidate for governor in Colorado, was spreading the largely debunked claim. Largely so it went from it's absolutely not true to largely debunked.
2: I mean, I think it's massively overblown and it's a distraction. I agree. I mean, if this happened, this probably happened, what, five times in the last three, four years? Uh, There's a lot of things to worry about other than dumb Twitter crap.
1: I agree 100%, but why do they say it's 100% untrue and then come back a few hours later and say it's largely... what
2: they do about everything. <laughs> I know. It's Literally true. everything I is an
1: really
2: alt-right though. Nazi conspiracy theory until it's proven true, and yeah. then it's not that big a deal. And then when it's proven <laughs> to be a big deal, then they were against it all along.
1: Oh, yeah, then all of a sudden they're on the other side. See, yeah, also right. defund the police. Yeah. All right, that is going to do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.